The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed it freely. He has given to the poor his righteousness endurance forever. He who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. <clears throat> you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval for this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from him, your confession of the gospel of Christ, and the generosity of your contributions for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks to be... Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Shawnee, and thank you all for being here with us this morning at River Oaks. We're really, really glad to have you uh, here with us on this fall weekend. And um, when you open your bulletin, your worship guide, you will notice uh, the word beyond in a couple of places. Um, and we are in the midst of an initiative, as you saw in the video, that we're calling our Beyond Initiative. Um, just a word about this for those who may be here for the first time. Maybe you're a guest. Maybe uh, this is your first time here. Um, and you see a pledge card in your bulletin. Let me say right off the bat, please feel no obligation whatsoever. It's kind of like you've come into a, a family meeting. This is something we've been talking about since last spring. And uh, I do want to say a few words about what it is and why we're doing it, but I want to tell you, you can learn more about this Beyond Initiative on our website. There's the full video, there's the Beyond brochure, there's our Vision 2025, which really is the foundation for everything we're doing in our um, Beyond Initiative. So one other thing, if this is fairly new to you, immediately after this service ends, uh, five minutes or so. We'll give you a few minutes to pick up children in Noah's Ark. If you have not been part of one of our dinner meetings or one of the smaller home meetings where people have had opportunity to, to ask questions about what we're doing and to uh, learn a little bit more about this, we're going to have a meeting right at the end of this service right here. We'll have some bagels and you can grab some coffee and uh, five, ten minutes after the service ends, just invite you to come back. It's fine to bring your kids if you have young children with you. And we'll talk a little more in depth about the changes to our building that we have planned, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and allow you to, the opportunity to ask questions. The pledge cards are not for you to do anything with today other than pray. That's something that we hope you'll take home with you and uh, prayerfully consider whether you'd like to be part of this. And we'll receive those pledge cards actually uh, next week. Now, this morning, I'm going to be looking at the, uh, we're going to be talking about the passage that Shawnee's read. Someone may be thinking, well, two weeks ago, you talked about 
uh, giving from some of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels, and now you're talking about giving again today, isn't it because we're having this campaign? And the answer is yes, of course. <laughs> of course it's because we're having this campaign. This has been planned since last spring. And of course we're teaching about giving. It's an important step in the life of our church. But for those who are new, this is not something we, we do every week in our church. Now, let me just say this to you. If you're one of those people who, when you hear the word giving, tithing, offering, stewardship, you, you kind of tense up because you just got kind of a bad feeling about it. You associate negative things with it. Maybe you've seen people who've been abusive people in the name of Christianity even. And maybe you've seen this stuff on TV like I have where people are being, I think, quite manipulative regarding finances. If that has shaped your understanding about giving, my hope today is that one thing would be accomplished. You would begin to think differently based on what Scripture teaches. And what I hope this morning is that we will catch a vision of what it is that should motivate us in the eyes of God to be faithful to Him with the material resources that He entrusts to us in life. The passage we're looking at is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It is part of a larger section in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul spends two entire chapters talking about an offering. A special offering. Now that's remarkable to me because he devotes more teaching to the subject of material giving than he does baptism or the Lord's Supper or any number of extremely important things in the Christian faith. Yet he spends a great deal of time in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians teaching about this. Now before we get into our specific passage, I'll look at the more broad context of these whole chapters and consider just for a moment some of the key words that provide key emphases in his teaching. First key word that recurs a lot in uh, this two chapters is the word grace. Notice he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as he begins this teaching on giving, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. And he'll go on to say in the next verse that in their extreme poverty, they overflowed with a wealth of generosity. He's talking about the grace of God that is compelling giving. In verse 6 of that chapter, accordingly we urge Titus that as he had started, so he would complete among you this work of grace. He's talking about receiving an offering. And he calls it a work of of grace. Next verse, chapter 8 and verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace. He's talking about giving. He's calling it an act of grace. And then he points to the grace of Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, that you by his poverty might become rich. 
talking about Jesus leaving the glory and perfection of heaven to become human, laying down his rights, humbling himself, going to the cross so we might share his spiritual riches, his salvation for all of eternity. Next verse you'll see. And not only that, but he's been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace. Paul's talking about the the administering, the delivering of an offering, an act of grace. So this key word grace pops up throughout this teaching about material financial giving. Another key word or two words that pops up is the word ministry or service. They could almost be used interchangeably. As he talks about this offering, the Apostle Paul writes, not only that, but he's been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself. He begins chapter 9, now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. He's talking about receiving an offering. He's calling it ministry for the saints. For the ministry of this service in the next verse is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. This ministry, this service, and then finally, by their approval of this service, they'll glorify God. The word used for service here is the Greek word diakonos. It's like the word we use for deacon. It gives rise to our word deacon. The word deacon has to do with ministry or service. The Apostle Paul is saying our giving of our finances in partnership with God for the work of his kingdom is a form of deaconing, of service, of ministry. It's partnership with God. One final word that recurs uh, in this uh, teaching section is the word generosity. The Apostle Paul begins chapter 8 by talking about the uh, Christians in Macedonia and how the grace of God has been seen in them. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their their part. Now look at that verse carefully. Think about it for a moment. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now how can a person in extreme poverty overflow in a wealth of generosity? How is that possible? Well, it's possible because he's speaking of generosity as God sees it. And in God's eyes, generosity does not have to do so much with the amount one has given, but the spirit in which it is given, the percentage of of the whole that is given. We think of the widow who put two small copper coins Two mites, as I think the King James Version would say in the offering. It's Jesus observed people giving an offering at the temple. He saw rich people putting in large amounts and a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And Jesus said, this widow has put in more than all of them. Why? Because she, she gave out of her, her need. They gave out of their abundance. Sometimes we, we read of a person who's given an incredibly large gift. We see it on the news. We read it in media. Somebody's given $100 million to a, a university or a hospital. It's a wonderful thing. And, and this person gets accolades for being incredibly generous. 
But if that person is a billionaire, is a hundred million dollars really all that much in the eyes of God? I think this passage is telling us how God views generosity. He views it in terms of what we have, what we keep. He goes on to say, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. It's God who enables generosity. And then a final verse. Paul writes later in chapter 9, by the approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and all others. So here are some key words to think about when we think about the biblical understanding of material giving. Grace, ministry or service, and generosity in the eyes of God. These are heart values, heart values. And if you wonder why there's so much teaching in the New Testament or handling of material resources or handling of money, it's because it is an expression of the devotion of our hearts. Now let's take a moment and just break down the passage that Shawnee's read for us just a moment ago in chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. I think the Perhaps the most important thing we see there is found in the final verse that she read, verse 15, because it tells us that our giving should be motivated by love for God and gratitude for his inexpressible gift. The Apostle Paul, at the conclusion of these two whole chapters about giving, gives us this short verse, the closing verse. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. His inexpressible gift is the gift of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus, who came to earth in human form, offered his life on the cross, shed his blood, poured out his life, bore our judgment so we could receive his righteousness, his spiritual riches, his eternity in heaven with God. We don't do anything to buy that, merit that, deserve that. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the gift of God. This is the starting place. If you're not yet a Christian, do not think that you get to heaven by giving your money. The only way to the Father is through the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's through our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross that we receive this gift of God. Now, the reason I stress this, the reason the Apostle Paul, I believe, ends two chapters of teaching with this verse is that all of our giving of our wealth should flow from gratitude for what God has first done for us. Our giving is a response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Paul begins his teaching, Paul the Apostle in chapter 8 in this same section of scripture, he talks about the, the giving of those who gave not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. The first thing, the most important thing is to give yourself to the Lord to receive his, his inexpressible gift to the gospel. 
Giving, then, is a response to His grace. Furthermore, because of this, giving should never be under compulsion, the Apostle Paul. You'll see verse uh, verse 7 from chapter 9 next on the screen. It's a remarkable verse where the Apostle Paul says this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Incredibly important verse about giving. That means you're not to succumb to some kind of emotional manipulation from some spiritual arm twisting. Giving should be planned and purposeful, not an emotional response in the spur of the moment. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What God really looks for is someone who understands his grace, his gospel, and is giving joyfully, cheerfully, willingly, because they want to partner in his work. Not because somebody's twisting your arm or somebody on television is promising you a miracle if you'll send in $1,000 today. The next passage on the screen comes from the building of the temple in the Old Testament. It's a remarkable passage about giving in the book of 1 Chronicles where King David gives great, great riches and wealth out of his great abundance. And as you see in verse 5 of the passage, he says, Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself to the Lord? He's essentially saying, who will, will give, but first give himself to the Lord. The passage continues in the next verses. Then the leaders of fathers' houses made their freewill offerings as did the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and hundreds, the officers over the king's work that gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Notice those key words. They'd given willingly. They'd offered freely. This is the heart desire that God desires in our giving. Our giving should be motivated by love for God and gratitude for his inexpressible gift in the gospel. And I think the most important thing we could see in this passage this morning is that the number one motivation for giving is that we understand what God has done for us in Jesus. And we've received it. And it's out of that love for him and that regard for what he's done for us that we want to give back to him, not just our money, our time, our service, our devotion, our care for others, our compassion. If that's the most important thing to understand about giving, if that's the foundation, I think the second most important thing to understand is our giving should be an expression of worship and an acknowledgement of God as our provider. As we continue in this passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you'll see these words in verses 8 through 11. Paul goes on to write, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. 
Remarkable, he uses the word grace here because he's talking about God's grace in supplying our material, financial needs. God is able to make all grace abound to you. Why? So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. And he quotes from Psalm 112. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now notice that. It is God who supplies the seed for sowing. But God doesn't just give us the opportunities in life and say, you make it happen. He also provides the bread for eating. It's a way of saying God provides everything. He provides the air we breathe. He has provided us to live where we live. He has provided us to be able to learn as we learn and do what we do. God's the source of everything. And I think the point is simply that our giving should be an expression of thanks to God, worship to God, trust in God. If you're here two weeks ago, we talked about how God in the Old Testament instituted the, the principle of the tithe. The word tithe means a tenth. And we see it beginning in the book of Genesis when Abraham got great spoils that he was bringing home and he offered a tenth to Melchizedek, the high priest. God later called his people to honor them with their first fruits. And the tithe is just a way of worshiping God, saying, Lord, of all you've given me, I give you back a tenth. And it's a proportional thing. So the person who has little gives a tenth. The person who has much gives much more, but it's still a tenth. And it's, it's in sync with what the Apostle Paul is talking about in giving in 1 Corinthians 16. We read these words. He writes to them, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. So there will be no collecting when I come. Think about those words for a moment. He is again talking about giving being planned and purposeful. We've all discovered in life, if we don't prioritize something, particularly financially, it's never going to get done. If we don't prioritize saving for a house, a car, saving for retirement, if we don't take, make purposeful plans for that, it's not going to happen. And it's the same with giving to God. Paul is saying, be purposeful and plan. As he may prosper, those words, I think, lead us to understand that God is looking at proportional giving. If he blesses us greatly, our giving should be great. Now, we're in the midst of what we call our Beyond Initiative. You get those you got those pledge cards in your bulletin today. And by the way, forgive us if you see those again in the mail or email. Uh, they'll be in the bulletins next week because we never know who all is going to be here on a, a Sunday morning. But there's a reason we're sending them out and emailing them and putting them in the bulletin today because we're not going to receive them today. We want people to just have the opportunity to go home, pray if you're married, pray with your, your spouse, 
wouldn't be too good to come home from church next week and say, honey, I just made a commitment of thousands of dollars over the next few years. What, what do you think about that? Pray about it together. Think about it. We want you to, to, to have time to be prepared for that. But I want to say a word about this because um, the goal of four to five million dollars that we seek to raise is pretty, pretty significant. When we had a capital campaign to build this building, the goal was especially daunting for a relatively small number of people compared to the number who are here today. And I remember someone coming to me at that point and saying, as somebody I knew fairly well, somebody who's not been part of our church for many years, this person said, looked at the number of household units in the church, looked at the, the goal which if we were to receive it all, we didn't. It was over $5 million. And just did the math and said, Here, here's how we can do it. Every family give X dollars. Well, I knew this person well. I knew that for him, X dollars was not very significant. Very wealthy person. And yet I knew for many people in the church, X dollars was an absolute impossibility. That's not the approach. It's not equal gifts. But we hope it will be equal seeking God, equal discerning His will, equal taking a step of faith, equal sacrificing as God calls you to do that, based on verses like this, as He may prosper, as God has blessed and provided for you. There will be a lot of people who say, I, I can't give any more than I'm already my regular giving. And that is okay. Let me say it again. That is absolutely okay. There'll be a, a little box to check on the card next week. It's not on the pledge card today, but we've revised though, where, where you can just check. I, I'm going to commit to pray for this beyond initiative and what God is doing in our church. And that's okay. That's a great thing if that's all that you're able to do. So, it's giving as God has prospered. Let me say one more thing about this. One reason we don't stress everybody doing the same thing or something like that is that we want everybody to feel a part of it. Even the person, even the child. We're hoping our children and our youth will be able to participate in this. Even if it's a tiny amount. Even if a kid says, I want to give a dollar to this. We want them to know that they have been a part of this. As they grow over the years, we want them to feel included. We want them to feel a part. And while we obviously need large gifts to reach a goal like this, consultant would tell us we need a number of six-figure gifts. We're not putting our focus there because we want everybody to feel a part. So our giving a response to the gospel, a reflection of our belief that God is our provider, our giving as he prospers us. And then finally, our giving should be seen as partnership, partnership with God in the work of his kingdom. We see the Apostle Paul writing again, the ministry of this service, not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. 
the gift Paul's saying, the financial gift, it's doing the work of God. It's partnering with God in meeting the needs of his saints. Couldn't God meet the needs of his saints without our giving? Of course he could, but he has not chosen to do that. He's chosen to use our work in partnership with him. The Apostle Paul uses the very word partnership. Next, in the verse from the book of Philippians, you'll see chapter 4, he's talking about their financial material support of his ministry. And he says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Giving is a partnership in the work of God. It's investing in what God is doing in his kingdom. When you give to the ministry of a church, you are in partnership with the ministry of that church. And should you choose to take the additional step of making a, a faith commitment in our Beyond Initiative, uh, and we'll receive those cards next Sunday, um, you're partnering with us in a vision. And it is a discipleship-driven, missional vision. Most churches, over time, well, most churches start with a very clear mission and a lot of zeal about that mission. But over time, over years, churches have a tendency to turn from outward mission to inward maintenance. There's just a natural drift toward that. It must be guarded against. It must be prayed against. Leaders have to be, to watch for that and be on guard for that. And so in the summer of 2017, when the elders on our session got together with a consultant who was helping us, praying about how as a church we could have the greatest possible impact in the years to come, the result of our time was what we call Vision 2025. It is an extremely discipleship-driven missional, outward-focused vision. And that is what has given rise to what we're doing in this Beyond Initiative. And I want to review, and this will be a, a repeat for those who are here in the last couple of weeks, just very quickly what we're doing and why. On the screen, you'll see several components of what we're doing in our Beyond Initiative. They are in descending order of their cost financially. The Discipleship Center will be a two-story building in the grassy area behind the office with an elevator. Um, David Holcomb has had a key role in des designing this space for groups and small groups to meet. This is the largest single component of our Beyond Initiative. When we began sharing this in meetings last spring, uh, many of you requested to have a covered drive-through, so that has been added to the plan, as you see on the screen there. The second largest item uh, component, cost-wise, is the Noah's Ark expansion. Uh, Noah's Ark will have a greatly enlarged entrance lobby with an indoor playground for kids. I, many times over the years, I've been at Chick-fil-A and thought, wow, I wish we had something like that in our church for kids here in Sure enough, we're going to have that here. Um, in addition, uh, you'll see a couple more pictures of the Noah's Ark area, I think, and then the outside area will be paved with parking and so forth. These two components directly relate to our vision 
for discipleship and for the next generation. The third uh, component in uh, cost, it's almost a tie with the fourth, but the beyond our walls is taking 10% of our pledges received and investing them with people in need around the world who are trying to do their own building, their own work, and do not have the resources to do that. Now, the amount of this will depend on the amount of pledges received. If we receive $4.5 million, so it'll be $450,000 that will be distributed in projects like this church in India uh, as pledges are received. Next, and uh, depending on how much is received, close in cost is the parking. Uh, parking outside of Noah's Ark uh, on the side of the building where the discipleship center will be. The White House will come down and we will finally have adequate parking. Do you know on Sundays we run out of parking before we run out of seats? Bill Davidson, who's managed our facilities for years, has told me over the years that when the parking lot is full, sometimes he's seen cars drive in here, slowly drive through the parking lot, and just drive out. That's particularly the case uh, in the months from uh, November through Easter. And then finally, the coffee bar uh, refurbishing, and then the very uh, least cost of all, the removal of these back sanctuary walls. When everything else is done, those walls can be removed to enable us to add some additional rows of seating, more accessible seats in the rows. And that is um, what we call our Beyond Initiative in support of our vision. Again, the cost, well, the cost last spring, we got the estimates, was $4.25 million. We've added the covered drive-through, and we're waiting on the final cost from the builder, so we don't um, uh, know what the final cost will be yet. But next week, we'll receive the pledge cards for this, and I simply ask that you be praying about this, praying about what your part in this might be. The final thing I'll, I'd like to say to you is this. Every now and then, someone will say something to me like this. I don't like spending money on bricks and mortar. I believe in giving to missions, but I like just giving food to the hungry or directly to our missionaries. That seems to be more effective to me. I understand that. I've been involved in missions for most of my ministry life. But here's the way I think of this. I think of our investing money in outreach as giving away spiritual food. And it's a good thing to do. And we're called to do it. But I think of investing in a discipleship-driven, missional, outreach-focused church as investing in a, a factory-slash-university. It's a factory where spiritual food is being provided and people are being equipped and trained to take that spiritual food out to all the world, children, youth, and adults, and it goes on forever so that there is this multiplying effect. When we did our first capital campaign, my wife and I had prayed about the largest gift we had ever made to anything in our lives, far more than anything we'd ever done before, uh, in a, on top of our regular tithing giving. And it was a step of faith for us. 
But it was so healthy for us because we saw over the years how God provided that. And at the time we were praying about that, someone came to me and was just a bit upset that we were building this building. We were meeting in a school. Things seemed to be going fine. And this person said to me, why are we raising all this money for a building when we could take it and give it all to missions? I don't remember what I said. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I would say today. And I have to say this with complete confidence today. I would say that investment that Beth and I made in that building campaign was by far, by far, the best investment in missions we ever made. Because the scope of missions in our church, not, not just giving to missions, it's gone from here to here, but, but the scope of, in, of engagement in missions has grown dramatically. And I believe we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. I think we've only seen the start of that. Our 2025 vision is far more specific and clear in its discipleship-driven missional outreach than our initial vision when we began the church. So I'm really excited about it. And I simply ask that you would be praying about it before we receive those cards next week about a faith commitment over three years, and it really could be stretched because we're doing it at the end of the year into a fourth year, um, tax for tax purposes, that is, over and above your regular giving. I just ask you to pray about it. Those of you who consider our church home. Now, would you join me as we pray? Father, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for what you've done for us. Work by your spirit. Father, I especially pray for any who has not yet received your inexpressible gift that you would guide that person this day to receive Jesus as Lord. And may we all give as an expression of gratitude for what you've done for us. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus, amen.